Scripture, scripture lesson this morning is from uh, the Old Testament, from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs that read, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And then turning to the book of Psalms, the very first one, which reads, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And then these words uh, from Jesus. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Amen. You know, the world is full of genuinely good people and admirable businesses, but all is not sweetness and light out there. In fact, it can be kind of like a jungle out there. Dirty office politics with its personal vendettas and backstabbings and power plays, sexual harassment, shady dealings with customers and clients, misrepresentation of products, slippy procedures, shabby workmanship, sheer incompetence, questionable accounting practices, outright corporate fraud. I mean, there's an abundance of evil out there in the workplace. These are just a few things that uh, we can expect in the workplace. And because of the presence of evil in the workplace, the workplace is shot through with ethical tensions and challenges that that uh, tempt us to compromise our Christian faith and values. We may feel pressured to violate our conscience in order to keep our job or to win that promotion or to contribute to the company's bottom line and help the company compete. There will be those who will encourage us to participate in something that's illegal or immoral or pretty shady anyway. By offering this justification, well, everybody does it. Everybody's doing it. If we don't bend the rules in our favor, we'll lose. If we don't swim with the sharks, we'll never stay alive in this market. And at times it does seem like everybody is, you know, cutting ethical corners to make a profit. And uh, we're aware of the presence of evil because of the constant barrage of uh, corporate scandals and other scandals in social media, right? <clears throat> According to a major study, this is 2018, a study of workplace ethics, 30% of all employees in the U.S. personally observed misconduct in the past 12 months. And this survey notes that these ethical breaches often occur unreported or unaddressed 
and when totaled can command a hefty cost. Unethical practices spurred more than half of the largest bankruptcies in the past 30 years, like Enron and Lehman Brothers and WorldCom, and it takes a huge economic toll, estimated at $1.2 trillion. Now, this shouldn't surprise us, of course, because we live in a fallen world, and we ought, to, we ought not to be naive about uh, the, the moral failures and flaws of people at work. We're sinful. Uh, we have a sinful nature at times it comes out, so we can be part of the problem. But we ought to expect conflict of one kind or another, and that's true wherever human be beings gathered. But the tensions for Christians in the workplace are real and difficult. Do we fight for what is right, or do we kind of go along with the flow and not make waves, protecting our position and livelihood? Do we stand up for, true, uh, for truth, for moral principles, or do we let those principles slide in order to be successful, i.e., profitable? And one way that uh, people in business deal with this tension between morality and success is to compartmentalize their lives. That is, they have one set of moral standards for their personal lives and a different set for the office. For example, the late Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, once put it this way, my priorities are God first, family second, and McDonald's hamburgers third. But when, I got to, but when I got to work on Monday morning, that order reversed. Back in the early 1900s, tycoon John D. Rockefeller was described as a conscientious Christian who struggled to end the livelihood of his every rival. Rockefeller was a devout Southern Baptist who gave nearly $500 million to charities, including many distinctly Christian organizations, but he was also known for using violence against labor unions and bribing employees of competitors for inside information on his competition so that Rockefeller lived a compartmentalized life, as many followers of Christ do today. A lot of well-meaning Christians experiencing the tension between Christian morality and workplace realities decide grudgingly that the only way to succeed in their business life is to play by the world's rules, the rules of the jungle, leaving Christian ethics for home and family and church. But as we have been saying, the Lord is the Lord of all of life, including our work. What we profess on Sunday must be connected to what we do on Monday. We are disciples 24-7. It's simply wrong to divide up our life into the sacred realm and the secular realm and live by two different sets of rules. The whole of our life is sacred, is to be set apart for God. So the question then is this, how do you and I live our faith at work given the reality of sin 
we find there. Now, we may not be able to change the system, and we certainly will not fully eradicate the presence of evil in the workplace. We shouldn't expect to. In fact, the worst thing that we can do is to turn into negative, hypercritical, moral nitpickers who offend everyone else by finding fault and being holier than thou. Uh, nothing will alienate our fellow workers faster than that. So that's not the kind of people we need to be. But when it comes to living our Christian faith in the workplace, there are a few important things to keep in mind. And the first is this. You and I can arm ourselves with a well-thought-out set of ethical values drawn from Holy Scripture and from our walk with God. If we can arm ourselves with the armor of God's truth and righteousness, knowing God's standards and valuing what God values, we will, live, we will be in a better position to battle the temptation to sin. The alarm bells in our consciences will go off at the right times and we'll be far more likely to respond in the right way. As we meditate on God's Word in Holy Scripture, as we walk with Him daily, as we're sensitive to His leading, we are more likely to remember who we are and whose we are at work. On the other hand, if we've really not thought about our values, our ethics, if we really don't know what we believe, haven't thought too much about right and wrong, about what God values or desires, if we're uh, kind of caught up in the general moral relativism of the day, we will end up making our ethics on the spot at work, and that will not serve us well. Situational ethics just doesn't do it. Evil wins the battle about every time because we will be tempted to do what is expedient at the moment. So take a thoroughly thought out and prayed over set of Christian values with you to work. Of course, we can extend that to school or to any organization that you're involved with. Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord, says the psalmist, for they shall bear fruit and prosper. And then we can question the questionable, at least at first, so that if someone asks us to do something to go to, 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 and it seems kind of shady to you, um, seems kind of illicit, kind of, you know, you know, immoral to you, we can ask questions of that person without being churchy and quoting Scripture. We can ask, is this the right thing for us to do? Are we being honest? Is this fair to our customers and to our clients? Does this pass muster with the IRS? Could this put our company or our organization in danger? So we can begin to question the, the questionable, and perhaps through our reasonable questions, the person who is asking us to do something shady will back off and think about the ethical implications of what they are asking for themselves, and it might open further conversations about it. So question the questionable. And then 
be willing to draw a line when a line needs to be drawn. Sometimes some practices are so unethical that we simply can't go along. We can't go there. Each of us has to decide where that line is depending upon our situation. And that's, admittedly, it's not easy. It will certainly be a matter of prayer. But making a stand for what is right may cost you. It may very well demand sacrifice. But as Christians set apart for God's service, we must stand. The worst thing we can do in the face of egregious evil is to obey the age-old adage of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. You can't believe that it never happened, make believe, and expect to ever, re re to ever reach closure and that your boss won't ask you to go along again and again. It's kind of a slippery slope, you know, once you, know, you begin to go down the unethical road, more and more is asked ask of you and down and down and down you go with everybody else. Standing up for what we know is right may well cost us our job. It may cost us a promotion. Tough stands will involve tough consequences. Think of some of the great people of God who suffered because of a courageous stand. I think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The apostle, uh, well, the apostle Paul, all of the apostles. And of course, Jesus himself. Now, corporate finance manager, his name is Jerome Kohlberg, but he put it this way. I thought that this was important to put up on the screen. He says, all around us, there is a breakdown of values. It's not just the overpowering greed that pervades our business life. It's the fact that we are not willing to sacrifice for the ethics and values we profess. For an ethic is not an ethic. And a value is not a value without some sacrifice to it. Something given up, something not taken, something not gained. Being willing to stand up for what is right, no matter the cost. Now, you may not have heard of uh, Sharon Watkins. But she was the whistleblower that brought down the house of cards that was Enron. Those of you who are younger may not know what I'm talking about. Those of us my age certainly would. This was the biggest corporate fraud case in American history, 2002. Sharon Watkins was uh, an accountant at the firm. She noted all kinds of accounting irregularities. She brought it to the attention of her CEO and found herself demoted from the 49th floor executive suite to the 16th floor with no real job to do. And she said even if Enron survived, she wasn't sure she would because she was actually, because of her whistleblowing, in fact that many of her associates were not happy with her, she was actually uh, fearing for her physical safety. 
But despite the threats, Watkins courageously stood her ground. And uh, we know the rest of the story, right? Enron fell. Many of the uh, people in Enron were jailed. In fact, one of the main leaders, Jeff Skilling, was actually released two days ago, I think, from prison. So why did Watkins do it? She said, at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. Now, because of her, back in 2002, because of what she did, there have been many more whistleblower laws put on the books to prevent uh, companies from going after you to retaliate. In fact, there is a National Whistleblower Day. Did you know that? Which is July 30th, uh, commemorating the first whistleblowing law in 1778 in the midst of the American Revolution. So there you go. You learned something, right? So put that on your calendar, National Whistleblower Day. But sadly, in spite of the, the laws and so on that have been put on the books, according to a National Business Ethics Survey, a pair of 53% of employees who reported ethical misconduct in their companies said they experienced some form of retaliation. So sticking by our Christian principles, letting people know about it, letting the higher-ups know about it, are still going to cost you something. But at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. Now, Sharon Watkins spoke to a group of college students about her experience, and she said, it's the slow steps to disaster we all must pay attention to. It's the little choices that we make that add up in the end. Even a relatively small ethical lapse, stealing a company pen or padding an expense account, dulls our sense of right and wrong and compromises one's willingness to speak out against more significant lapses. So Watkins urged her audience to heed their personal ethical alarms and leave unethical employers before it becomes too late. So when a corporation claims to have a code of ethics but rewards those who ignore it, it's time to leave, she said. On paper, Enron was at the top of the list in corporate, corporate ethics. I mean, it never had a, no other company had such a great reputation. We had this code of ethics. And that code of ethics was ever-present, according to Sharon Watkins, on posters and daily reminders. And then look what happened. Those who ignored it were rewarded, essentially, in the name of profit. So Sharon Watkins drew her ethical line in the sand and wouldn't cross it no matter what. So at times, you and I may be called upon to draw a line in the sand beyond which we will not go no matter what. There's a point when we know that to go beyond that line means separation from God. 
which is what the, what the word sin means, actually. It's doing that which separates us from God. So do you know where that line in the sand is? And sometimes that's hard to determine, right? We have to, we have to pray about that. How much can we tolerate, I guess, in a situation in which we find ourselves? But what's that point where we would be willing to sacrifice career and advancement and success rather than our values and our relationship with God? It may cost us, but as Jesus reminds us, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? So take that well-thought-out set of Christian ethics to work, question the questionable, be willing to draw the line when it needs to be drawn, and then I would say this. We may not be in a position to change the system, but we can live as a, as a person of integrity and brighten the corner right where we happen to be. We can let our light shine at our desk and in our cubicle and in our office and in our relationships with our associates and with the higher-ups and so on. We can be Christian in our environment, which we know to be less than Christian. <clears throat> but living by God's values is always best in the long run. It makes for a truly successful life. And it's even good for business. The psalmist tells it like, like it really is. And, and let's listen again to his words. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Oh, not so the wicked. They are like a chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. People who are involved in unethical, wicked business practices may enjoy short-term worldly success. But in the long run, it will hurt them in this life and the next. They're like the chaff which the wind blows away. The fact is people of integrity in business will succeed in the long run because integrity breeds trust. And trust keeps people coming back. Take the example of an auto mechanic. Most of us would go out of our way and we would pay more to a mechanic who is honest and whom we know to be a person of integrity. But if we haven't, and that's, we keep taking our vehicles there, but if, he, if we had even an inkling that that mechanic is cutting corners ethically, 
is not totally honest. We will never take our car back. People who lack integrity lack staying power to continue in business over the long term. I'm sure Enron thought that they were going to be making profits, fistful of profits year after year after year. But then they got into all this ethical trouble and were... And uh, who would have thought that such a big corporation would just fall apart like a bunch of, like a house of cards? Short term, they were making lots of profits, but long term, lost their integrity, and that was everything. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. And if the wicked are not found out in this life, they'll be found out in the next, for the Lord God will hold them accountable. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So what matters is the bottom line. Not the bottom line of worldly profit, but God's bottom line, pleasing Him by living as people of integrity, reflecting His character in the world, including the workplace. That's the key to a truly successful life. For they shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. So may God give us the wisdom and the ability to make the Sunday-Monday connection, never forgetting to take our faith to work. So may it be. Let's pray. Lord, uh, many of us spend a lot of time at work and uh, it can be at times a very difficult arena for ministry. It's tough to be your person in, in that kind of an environment. But Lord, we just pray that uh, your light would shine through us, that we would be the best employee we can possibly be, that we be people of integrity, consistent in our, in our behavior, lining up with you and with your righteousness. And Lord, when need be, give us the courage to take a stand that your light would shine ever more brightly in the world. Lord, we belong to you, and nothing is more important than our relationship with you. Help us to be strong in our walk with you, that we may glorify you in every realm of our life including the workplace. Amen.